On the latest edition of the podcast, we're joined by new Sacramento State head coach David Patrick, who chronicles his journey from being head coach of UC Riverside to spending the last two years as a Power 5 assistant, and now back in the head coaching seat with the Hornets. We're also joined by good friend Jeffrey Gorham, who serves as my co-host on this edition of the podcast. Another edition of the podcast that never seems to end. And I feel like it's the Tonight Show tonight. Um, I got Jeff Gorham on the podcast. He's the the uh, the Ed McMahon of sports, for those who don't know. We have the great David Patrick, the new head coach at Sacramento State. I'm anxious to jump in and chat about that. And we got Bob Newhart coming up in the second segment. And uh, Doc Severinsen will, will play us in. But uh, first of all, Mr. Gorham, I, I miss you. I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. Uh, we, we talk all the time, but I haven't physically seen you how are you doing? How are you holding up? How's that 6'8", 215-pound frame holding up? I am doing fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I have become a baseball guy now. I'm calling baseball for UC Riverside. I'm calling baseball for the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. I have fallen into this. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> I have to blame you, Gasol. What's your fault? You told me you played Little League with John Smith, so that, it's all your fault, uh, falling into the baseball. So you shouldn't have told me that. You shouldn't have told me you played Little League. Um, we'll bring in Coach Patrick. Uh, he is the now that – I guess you had that press conference on Tuesday, Coach. You were announced as the new head coach of Sacramento State. So as the great American laureate, Andre Young, once uh, surmised in his hit, California Love, Sacramento, where are you at? Coach Patrick, welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on your show, man. My favorite favorite dude in California, Jeff Gora, man. Can't, can't be more pumped. I, I – I, but isn't he isn't he all of our favorite though is the question no doubt and it helps so, these six eight because we need some size over here so it helps these six eight so that helps <laughs> well coach coach let's let's dive into it uh sacramento state you spent the last two years well last year at oklahoma with porter moser the year before that you were at arkansas with uh, eric musselman and was it just time for you to be a head coach again was it the allure of sacramento take us through that process of what first of all How'd you get in the mix for the Sacramento State job, and ultimately, what led you to accept the offer? You know, I was in a great position. That uh, you know, I left Riverside obviously during during COVID and those those uncertain times going on in athletics there at Riverside. So it was no, mm -hmm. no knock on the institution or even you know what they had going, uh, but the ability, the chance to go back and you know coach at the Power Five level um, and learn from Eric Musselman, as you stated, and you know continue to learn from Porter Moser was something I. You know, I couldn't turn down just where I was at career-wise and financially for me and my family. And then, uh, you know, I was happy at Oklahoma and said I would never come back and be a head coach unless it was somewhere that I thought I could, you know, not only grow as a coach, but my family could live. I have two girls who are 16 and 11. Um, so we wanted to go back somewhere where we could also, you know, grow as a family. And so, you know, when this state thing came came out of kind of out of nowhere, um, it was something that I couldn't turn down because it's very rare that you get to work for an AD who you've worked with before. And Mark Orr, the athletic director, uh, was my athletic director at St. Mary's when I was there for five years. And I, I've been in the trenches with him before. So it was a uh, kind of a perfect storm for us and uh, something we're excited to be at here in Sacramento. When your name came up, Coach, I was I was a little surprised by it. But then when I did a little bit of research, that was the name. Mark Orr was the name. And then it all made sense. Um, let me ask you, and obviously I'm not asking you to, 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 to denigrate anybody else. How important is the relationship 
with the AD? When you're the head basketball coach at an institution, um, how important is that AD head coach relationship? Because I'm guessing big part of the pull, because your name has been in there with other jobs and you jumped on this one. And I'm guessing Mark Orr was a big part of that for you. I think I think it's huge. You know, I think anytime there's synergy between coach and administration is 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 key um, and helps helps my success and that the same vision there, um, you know, and the vision to be great. And, you know, the, the icing on the cake here was President Nelson, the president uh, who came in from uh, Texas Rio Grande or UTRGV, um, his vision for athletics. And so that whole alignment there uh, was, was important to me. And, uh, you know, I've learned that, you know, as a young assistant, I didn't know. I just wanted to be a head coach and just figure it out. But I think anytime in any business that there's some synergy between, you know, all three positions, um, you know, it, it helps tremendously. Coach, you know, you've worked in the SEC, you've worked in the West Coast Conference, you know, Big 12. Uh, uh, but coming back to the big sky, take me through that thought process for you and and what ultimately, you know, uh, obviously the Big West and Big Sky are somewhat comparable. I, some, I guess right now some people would say the Big West is a better, better league, but there's some good teams in the Big Sky. There's some good coaches in the Big Sky. Uh, what's your take on the Big Sky and then accepting a job in that conference? Well, look, you, said, you you hit the nail on the head. Like the coaches in the Big West, my, my two years in there are tremendous from Coach Munson to, you know, Russell Turner to, to Diedrich Taylor, like this and Jim Lester, great coaches in that league. And, and this Big Sky is, is similar. Coaches are probably a little bit younger other than Coach Ray up at, at Weber, who's been there, you know, forever. Um, but this is a younger, probably coach league. Um, what The draw to me was like, OK, if I, if I wasn't going to get a power head coach, power five head coaching job, like what league could I go to? where you have a decent chance to win your conference tournament because it's, it's, some of these leagues, you got to play 14, 16 teams to get a, in, in a one bid league. It's hard, you mm-hmm. know, in the big, big sky and big West, um, obviously it'll take time here, but the chance to win three games and get to the NCAA tournament's a lot easier than some places where you're going to go win five and six games to, to get one shot. And so I looked at all that, you know, in my decision to, to, to come back to, to this level. And uh, I thought, city of sacramento the school and what they have uh in store here for us somewhere i thought I could, we can win here in the next two to three years having been in california obviously at st mary's it's not too far from sacramento i'm guessing the lifestyle aspect of it was also something you factored in you mentioned your your two girls earlier huge you know like you know diversity and my you know I've, I've been brought up in bermuda and australia and i've grown up in diverse environments and that's not any knock on any any other part of the country but mm-hmm. for us it was you know where where there's some diversity from the people to the food to you know out, outer out stuff away from the basketball court you know california has so many of those different different things to do especially sacramento with tahoe being close and san francisco being close we have an outlet uh for us you know we want to get away from the gym at least they want to get away from the gym because I'm, I'm always in here so uh, that was that was key for us you know, when you came to Riverside, uh, you really kind of uh, kind of flipped it a little bit in terms of your pursuit of international players. I'm guessing you have a pipeline, and that will continue at Sacramento State. It's helped. I think we got one signed the first day or two I was here. The kid from mm-hmm. Hunter Marks, so I can comment on from the University of Hartford. He's he's from uh, from Melbourne, Australia originally, but he's an All League guy in the American East, six nine kid. So he you know he committed to us, so signed with us on uh, on Monday. So. Um, that helps, you know, I think anytime you're on the West coast, um, you want to obviously recruit the West coast kids if we can, our, our in-state and local kids, but, 
this part of the country helps when you're trying to uh, reach out to those in Australia and New Zealand, which I'm going to continue to try to do. Now, I, I know I don't want to get you in trouble. Um, so give me give me you can give me as generic an answer as you want. Uh, your staff is your staff assembled yet? Are you still assembling your staff? I know you have a deep, deep network of young coaches. How's that going in terms of that? Do you have your people identified? Or are you still kind of maybe going through the list a little bit, coach? Uh my staff's somewhat in place, but you know, the one thing about California, there's a lot of rules. So, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be, uh, I think they're official on Monday so I can, but we have okay. them in place, which, which is good. So guys I've worked with before, uh, guys who are familiar with, with me and what, what I expect in terms of program, not just, not just on the court. And so, um, and that's the other part, you know, AD allowed me to hire the staff that I wanted, uh, which is key, right? It's not, there's no use just having me as the head coach and not, not having people, uh, who are partners on my side to help me do this thing. So that's been, that'll be exciting. I'll be able to announce them on, on Monday. You know, and people forget, I mean, the coaching staff obviously is important. Your support staff is very important too. And I know sometimes, you know, it differs from school to school. Did you get the, you get the support with regard to, you know, your ops people and all that stuff and the GAs, uh, you feel like you're, you're getting the support you need to bring those guys on the guys that you want. Definitely, definitely, I have here. You know, and it's one thing to bring them on, and it's the other thing to retain them, right? Because if they're any good, then you, you, you're paying Right, you're going to lose them. They go, yeah. they go to the next spot. And so um, I was able to put something in place to be able to to be able to be hire them and hopefully keep them for a year or two, um, or at least two years, and then hopefully they can move on. You know, because like my staff at Riverside, I, I and Jeff's been around me, like I, I want them to grow. I want them to move on, you know, and uh, that means you're doing the right thing and, and, and your staff's doing the right thing. And so um, – the intent is to try to keep them as long as I can, but I'm hopeful they can do a great job for me here and go on to greener and better pastures. Yeah, Coach, I, I, had, I, had the, I had the privilege to work for three years with Jim Herrick, and let me tell you, he was as proud of what his assistants did after they left him as he was of his national championship. In fact, I, I think he got more of a kick. He got more of a kick out of how his assistants and operations guys got jobs than he did, you know, talking about his championship. So it's interesting that you kind of, it sounds like you kind of feel the same way. No, no doubt. I've been in their shoes, you know, and, and, and I've worked for coaches that don't want you to go, right. They, they do anything yeah. they can not to really help you, help you move on. And so, um, you know, as long as they're doing it, you know, they ultimately want to be head coaches. We all do right. When you're in that seat. And so um, I want to go above and beyond to try to help them to grow. Cause I know how hard it is to be, become a head coach, man. Like the stars have got to align a lot of times to get head coaching jobs. And I'm just hopeful my staff will be there one day like I am. Coach, I want to, I want to check back into the Australian uh, connection first. And uh, I want to ask you, is a head full of zombie what I think it is? No, I kid, I kid. Um, (laughs) My, my, my own experience is when I was a young, when this young guy watching Seton Hall in the final four and I saw Andrew Gaze play and it was, you know, before, it was a 24, no 24 hour news cycle, right? There was no internet. Um, but I was like, wow, they play basketball in Australia. Um, what, what is it open? I know you, you know, you, you spent part of your, part of your youth in Australia. Um, the Australian player has been such an influence just in the big West and college basketball, uh, the influx of players coming in, obviously now at the pro level as well. Give me, give me some perspective on the influence of Australian players in American basketball. Look, I think you alluded to it that Andrew Gaze is one of the, 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 yeah. the trendsetters in doing that back in the 90s. And, um, you know, I, I followed in his footsteps. I was fortunate enough to play for, play at his club for the Melbourne Tigers and, you know, wanted to be Andrew. Um, he's just a little bit mm-hmm. taller and a little bit 
I got a bit of more of a tan than Andrew. But, but we, uh, but, but you know, I, when I came in, in 1994, there was like maybe four of us playing. Now there's, you know, 1,500 players playing over here in the U.S. And so um, he set the way. You know, he was able to make the NBA, even though it was for only two or three years. He made he won a ch- uh, world championship with, uh, with the San Antonio Spurs, and he paved the way for, for the rest of us. And so now you look at the Patty Mills of the world, who I was fortunate enough to coach, and Matt Delavadova, Joe Ingles, um, the number one picks in the draft, and Ben Simmons, and even Kyrie Irving was born in uh, born in Melbourne. And so um, there is a love of basketball. It's the most played sport uh, in Australia, believe it or not. And so um, we're going to try and tap in that here, like the rest of the world has, and, and, and continue to try to, to, to uh, grow on that success. Coach, uh, I want to bring up your godson, Ben Simmons, who, you know, you got to LSU and he was uh, very famously kind of one and done into the NBA. Where is he at right now? I was reading today that he probably is back for if, if the if the Nets can advance uh, to a beyond a fourth game, he might come in and play. What's his situation at? I mean, health is a big issue there. How is he feeling now that he's with Brooklyn? And obviously the Sean Marks connection obviously helps a little bit. With a little, in terms of insight from from you know both them being Australian. Yeah, well, here's some here's, here's some insider information. So when when I played professionally in Australia for for uh, the Canberra Cannons, my mm-hmm. ball boy was a guy named Patty Mills. He was about eight years old, and mm-hmm. he ended up coming to play for me at St. Mary's. My teammate was a guy named David Simmons, whose son happened to be Ben Simmons. Uh-huh. Um, so with, with Patty's like Ben's idol growing up right and so the fact that he's at brooklyn you alluded to sean marks being from new zealand being there i just think the comfort level for for, for ben is there patty's out olympic captain uh but furthermore he's he's kind of led the torch for for young australians trying to pursue pursue their nba dreams and so him being there i think has helped a lot um and you hit on it like ben's ben's been out ben ben had sit out for a year damn near a year and a half of basketball so you know some some injuries came into play with him coming back, but uh, coming back to training, you know, anytime you sit out that long and then get into a, a pro environment, it's, it's easy. It's easier said than done. And so uh, I think he's on track to come back, hopefully uh, through the second half of this playoff run, um, if they can continue to win. I want to circle back to UC Riverside, your time there. And it was short, but, you know, I think in the short time there, you had a decent amount of success. What what did David Patrick learn running? I mean, you know, listen, you work for God, you know, work for Johnny Jones. You know, you work for uh, for coach up in uh, up at St. Mary's. You, know, you work for Jamie Dixon at TCU. But your first time being as a head coach, what are maybe one or two lessons that you learned that you feel were valuable and you felt have been valuable for you going forward? I don't know. I think I think Jeff could probably attest to it because he was around us so much, but like character is going to be the number one trait that I'm going to, I'm not going to bend on, you know, and I think you got to get to that quick, you know, you want high character student athletes in your program and obviously you want talent, but I think you, you, the, the character part, I think lasts and, 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 it, and it keeps your team connected. It keeps your team team tough and, and, and it gets you to win quicker. I think if you, if you, if you try to cut corners on, on just having a good, pl- good player and not, somebody that embodies everything else about teammate, about uh, being unselfish. Um, it's hard to win, you know, quick. There's no, there's no fast, there's no fast recipe to winning. So I, I think we did that at, 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 uh, at Riverside, you know, the year one was 10 wins year two was 17 or 18 before 
you know, before COVID shut us down. And so I think we're on the right track. I think Mike Pyle's done a good job, a great job of, of, of continuing to do, build what we were building at, at Riverside. And my hope is to, to do that here. You know, I think for me, you know, Sacramento State's a great university, but it doesn't have the same, you know, academic rigors of, as a UC. And so I'm hopeful that I can maybe get a student athlete in here a little bit easier than I could at Riverside and, and, and get somebody that can survive here maybe a little bit better. So uh, that's the hope here. And, and if I can do what we did at Riverside here, I think good things are in store for this program. Now, Coach, to, just to piggyback off of uh, Gazal's question there, um, you know, I was around you every day for, you know, the two years you were at UC Riverside. Uh, what have you learned in the years that you have not been at Riverside working under, um, you know, a great coach at Arkansas, a great coach at Oklahoma? Those guys are, are legendary. Guys. What have you learned that you're going to take back to being a head coach at uh, Sac State? Look, I, I picked up the energy and the tweeting from Coach Moss over there at Arkansas. <laughs> so I, learned, I learned that part. But, but, but his energy and passion for the game and getting his team to play so hard uh, in, in all seriousness um, was something I picked up from him. You know, Moss keeps things simple. But his team plays hard, no matter what the, what people say about him. Like his teams play hard, whether it's Nevada, whether it's Arkansas, whether it was Golden State and Sac the Kings. Like he, his teams play hard for him. So I, I stole some some stuff from him that I'm going to take with me here in terms of getting your team to, you know, play hard in every possession, in every practice. And then, you know, from Coach Moser, you know, everybody talks about culture, and that's like the that's like the hot button when it comes to college sports. But, you know. Porter's teams at, at Loyola Chicago uh, going to a Final Four and our team at Oklahoma really embodied culture. And we lived it and all we did, whether it was how you walked into a room, how you sat into in a film room, like he was key on that. You know, I thought I did a pretty good job at that, but I, I picked up some things from him. And then the offensive side of the ball. You know, he's one of the best offensive minds I've been around, him and Randy Bennett. And so I think there's some things I can bring back to my squad here with some ways to, you know, just, just steal a basket here, steal a basket there uh, that I could learn from, from, from Porter along the way. Coach, you, you mentioned uh, Coach McPio earlier, and, and, and he's always been great, you know, when, when I've dealt with him. What did you see in him, you know, that, that led you to say, hey, this is the guy I want, and then ultimately, obviously, he, he succeeded you at Riverside. Was there something specific you saw in his in his pedigree, in his approach, and, and how, how he went about his business that, that allowed you to say, yeah, this is a guy I want on my staff? Look, he's from my tree, you know, and, and we talk about coaching. Like, we, we all have trees that we come from, and, and, and tree, for those that don't know what it is, is like he's come – He's come through the same lane of teaching that I've, that I've come from. He worked for Kyle Smith um, at San Francisco, who's now at Washington State, who was assistant with me at St. Mary's. And so we do things and look at situations the same way. And um, I was comfortable with him doing that as an assistant for me. Uh, but Mike's work ethic, um, his ability to, to connect with student athletes, I thought was perfect for what, you know, what I was leaving at Riverside. And I thought, you know, they'd be remiss not to hire him because I think the thing wasn't broken. You know, a lot of times when people leave, you want to bring in a new regime and they do things a different way. Uh, Mike obviously put his put it a little bit of his sauce on, on, on what he wants to do things. But the, but but he's been continued doing what I did from the start because we learned from the same the same guy. 
And Co- this is this is kind of more of an esoteric question, so I apologize in advance for it. Okay. Now I know part of the reason you left at Riverside was there was the uncertainty and there was the there was the pandemic. Um, but I'm guessing also, and this is me. Maybe I won't put this on you. This is me. I'm like, okay, he had success at Riverside. You go be an assistant at a Power Five. It's probably easier to get an interview as a hot Power Five assistant to be a head coach. Now, obviously, you kind of circle back and you're a head coach again. But what is that like? So the two years you were an assistant, a bunch of jobs came open. And I know I don't want to put you on the spot, but I know your name was in the mix for a couple of them. How does that process go? Obviously, relationships are a big part of it. But like, you know, so the season ends, you know, you're at Arkansas, you're at Oklahoma, the season ends. And all of a sudden, all these rumors start. Who are you talking to? Who's talking to you? How does this stuff all get going? No, that's a good question. So, you know, a lot of times it's it's search firms are involved and agents get involved and you know when when jobs are open but you you made the you made the notion that you know usually when you're assistant coach it's hard to get involved in jobs because they want ad's and presidents want want coaches that have had head coaching experience and so when i got back in that assistant seat um i got a lot more phone calls because i had i wasn't a fired head coach and i was a coach that had head coaching experience and so um I just felt like the, the, the jobs that were coming to me, whether it was Conference USA or America, you know, the American Conference or jobs back out west, um, I just got more. Uh, to, to be honest, being at a Power Five, being a Power Five assistant, you know, I don't know if that's the case. If I stay at Riverside and finish third or fourth in the Big West, um, even though we know that's a that's a that's a great feat. Um, I don't know whether I get those same calls. You know, maybe I do, maybe I don't. But I felt being at Arkansas, going to Elite Eight. I felt being in Oklahoma winning 20 wins in your first year, open open my phone phone book for more, for more calls. And then ultimately it was the St. Mary's connection that landed you at Sac State. Give give me a message. What's your message to the fans of the Hornets? What should they expect? And what what's your expectation uh, taking over that program, Coach? Well, I think the fans will see a team that's – that's big, that's going to defend, that's going to rebound, not at an elite level. When I say elite, we'll be top top 50 in the country in both both categories. I think offensively, you're going to see a team that's going to play in a lot of pick and roll, um, going to shoot a lot of threes, um, but also going to have a post presence. You know, and so uh, my hope and my goal is to, to win right away. You know, and that means to you know, be above 500 in, in league, hopefully anything better. Uh, would be great but uh, I think with this whole transfer portal it's a little different than when I took a job you know three years ago um, you can get better quicker if you take the right student athlete you know I did, you know when I took over well two years ago you had a, a guy to sit out you had to wait for that that guy to be eligible and um, it's different the, the college basketball's changed and, and that dynamic and so if you can utilize that uh, to the best of your ability and and, and put them in with the players you have already in place, I think your team can get better a lot quicker as you're seeing happen in college basketball now. Coach, you had good success with the transfer portal at uh, UC Riverside. What's the the secret to mining that portal? Look, I think, and not to sound, you know, arrogant, I just think that I've been at every level and I've been all around the country. And so my phone goes off probably more than most when it comes to you know, guys that are leaving leaving programs. You alluded to, I've been in the SEC, I've been in the Big 12, I've been in the WCC. And so um, I have a 
I have a vast array of connections around the country. And so when guys are leaving programs, I usually get a call that maybe some don't get. And then I have to do my due diligence and decipher through whether that student athlete fits, you know, fits what we're looking for. And then last thing for me, if Jeff has anything, he can add it. Um, I, you know, the, we talked about the relationship with Mark Orr and it's really important. And I'm guessing that you guys got friendly the time you were at St. Mary's. So now is it, what's the dynamic now? Cause obviously you guys are friends, but you have the job to do. He has a job to do. How do you reconcile that? And obviously, if you have success, it's less of an issue. But if you guys get out of the gate and maybe struggle a little bit, how, how do you manage how do you manage that relationship, Coach? Look, I think the great thing about working with with Mark, even at St. Mary's, was was he he stays out of your way, meaning like he he gives you the resources to do what you need to do, and then he doesn't micromanage, you know. And and I think. Uh, that's been how it has been so far, and I've only been here a week, but uh, and I haven't had a win or a loss. But I think Mark's realistic. Like Mark knows knows what's going on at Sacramento State. You know, if you look at his football program, and Troy Taylor coming from Utah three years ago, that won the Big Sky three years in a row. Um, if you look at his women's basketball program, they they hired Mark Campbell away from University of Oregon. He was the associate head coach at Oregon. Uh, he worked with me at St. Mary's as an assistant. You know, they they won 16 games in year one, and so. Um, he's going to give you all the resources and all the help uh, to help you push your program in the right direction and not, not be in your way. And um, he knows how I do things. And so I think it's a, it's a cohesive, it'll be a cohesive uh, unit working this, working through this thing together. Jeff. Hey coach. My, my big question is, this is a little more personal. How happy is, is your wife and, and two beautiful young daughters? How are they, how, how excited are they to be back in California? Jeff, that's great. They're so happy, man. My two kids were born in NorCal up in up in Walnut Creek, so they they think this is they think this is the bay, but it's not quite. But they're they're happy to be be back in California, man. And uh, my wife doesn't drink as much wine as me, but we're we're happy to be close to Napa. And I know you'll be coming to visit me because you didn't come see me in Fayetteville or Norman, but we're we're close to wine country, so I know you'll be coming up to visit me now. You're darn right. I'm gonna bring I'll bring up a whole a whole bunch of. Uh, well, I'll bring bottles of wine. We'll hang out. We'll go to Napa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I, 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 and, and David Patrick, the, the new head coach at Sac State, we, we, I thank you for your time. I appreciate you coming on. But, I, but I'm gonna, we'll have some quick hitting questions before we leave. So, I got to ask you, what is your favorite Australian rules football club? Who do you root for? Oh, oh man. Carlton, Carlton Footy Club. The Blues. Okay. Carlton Footy, the back. Blues. All right. Favorite Men at Work song, if you have one. Oh, my gosh. Man from <laughs> Down Under. <laughs> okay. That's, that's a classic. That's a classic. And then, um, so, it, it, who's who's the who would you say is the greatest Australian basketball player of all time? Oh. Patty Mills. All right. I'm going to say that for multiple reasons. Got an NBA championship. Helped us win our gold medal. Um, uh, sorry, bronze medal, and uh, he's a staple uh, over there for what he's done for basketball. Obviously, TBD on Ben Simmons. Obviously, he's the best talent to 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 come out of there, but uh, mm-hmm. he's still too young. I'm going, Patty. 
Uh, David Patrick, thanks so much for for joining us. We really appreciate it. And good luck at Sacramento State. Good luck in the Big Sky. You know, it's it's, it's a tough league, but uh, you know, we saw Danny Sprinkle leave the Big West, go to the Big Sky, and he went to the tournament. Perhaps you can you can pull the uh, pull the same feat with the Hornets. I'm hopeful, man. And thanks so much for having me on your show. All right, thank you, sir. All right, Jeff, give give give, give us the wrap up on it. So your, your your guy, Coach Patrick, is now at Sacramento State. What do you think? What what's in store for the Hornets and what's in store for the Big Sky? Well, I, I think that he's picked a, a great spot to land. I mean, it's a great facility to play in. People say it's a, you know it's a gym. It is. It's like it's like a high school gym. But if you win, you fill that place up, and it makes it a great place to play. Um, <clears throat> I have no doubt that he's going to get guys uh, this year that will help the program. You'll get uh, JC transfers. He'll have that connection with you know Mike Zeppel, the assistant coach. He'll, he's going to bring guys in that are, are going to be great players, not just for a couple of years, but they'll be there for four years. And I see him really building something uh, quickly with the amount of uh, character guys he brings in and the players. He's just the best guy to be around. Like I said, I've been around a number of D1 head coaches, so have you. Uh, but he's a guy that I could call any day, any time of the day. He answers the phone. He knows his game. He knows his basketball. He cares about his players. He he doesn't he doesn't uh, BS around at all with 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 being honest. He tells you exactly how it is, and I think that's why he will be successful at Sac State. Uh, were you surprised? Um, I know you you guys are friendly. Your families are friendly. Were you surprised when you heard he was taking the job? Uh, you know, a little bit I was because I know that there were a, a couple other jobs in the mix that might've made me a little happier just because he had been closer to me because mm-hmm. we are such good friends. Uh, but going up to, you know, we were, we played Sac state three years ago and lost up there. And I remember having a conversation with DP and I said, this, this place could be a gold mine. Uh, you could win here and they have won at times, but I don't think they've had the, the caliber of player that they're going to see coming up here under his regime. And I didn't. I didn't want to ask Coach that because you know he's got another job, so I don't want to get you know don't want to get him in trouble. But his name was bandied about for a couple of jobs in, in, in the area. You know, we heard LMU. His name come up before they hired Stan Johnson, and then everybody was linked to USD. You know, before they hired Steve Lavin. So I'm curious about that. And I know he has the history in the West Coast Conference. Um, what do you think? And I should have asked him this, and I didn't. But what do you think is his end game? I mean, is he like? Does he want to be the guy to succeed Randy Bennett at the West Coast Conference? Uh, I'm sorry, St. Mary's in the West Coast Conference, or is he angling potentially for a Power Five job? And, and I'm wondering, would he be able to get a Power Five job after you know if he had a couple good years at Sac State? Where where, where is he in, in in that trajectory? Well, I think overall, I think he'd love a Power Five job. I mean, he was—he's been at some big-time programs, uh, you know, LSU, TCU, Arkansas, Oklahoma. Those are big, big programs. And you look at uh, Arkansas's preseason ranked number one next year. Those are part of David Patrick's guys from two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I see that you know this could be a great, uh, a great landing spot for. A few years. I don't think it's going to be a two and done like it was at you know, UC Riverside. Just because I well, think, but, yeah, and he, he explained it well. There, there were some, uh, you know, there were some extenuating circumstances. There was the memo that 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 circulated about UCR potentially dropping athletics, and then obviously the pandemic uh, was a big part of that. You know, between the two of those factors, uh, it, it made sense uh, what he did. And then you know, I always felt, and I mentioned this to coach that 
if he wanted to be a head coach at a power five, he needed to go be an assistant at a power five or, you know, even somewhere like the conference USA or the, the Mountain West conference, they probably were more likely to take a, an assistant from an Oklahoma or an Arkansas, as opposed to a head coach out of the big West. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think ideally he would love to stay out West. I mean, you mentioned St. Mary's. Yeah. That would be a great yeah. place to, uh, to end your career. And that's, it's like your forever home, your forever job. Um, but I think he's, he will win in the big sky. I, I don't think that's even a question of uh, how long it'll take. I, th- I think he will be very successful. Uh, he has a great starting with a great staff. I don't know if he had talked when I, I don't know if he had talked about his staff uh, when I was off off air there. But well, no, he said no. He, he said he can't say anything because it's not official till Monday. Okay, so, well, uh, we, we don't want to we don't want to get him in trouble. Yeah. Uh, but he's 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 going to bring in a great staff, and I know the kind of guys that are going to play for him. I mean, it's it, it, you can't help but be successful. I think if he was in the, the WCC, you know, until Mark Few retires, it's always going to be, you know, it's always going to be Gonzaga, St. Mary's, BYU, and then everybody else. I mean, that's just the way it's yeah. been. And, well, and, and, and that's, that's the interesting thing. You know, the San Diego job, you know, Steve Lavin just took the San Diego job, and you and I were talking about this. I mean, you mentioned BYU. How about San Francisco? Yeah, because definitely. because because it, the, they've set it up, they're, you know, it, it's a seamless transition to, to Chris Gerlifson there. Now, they're they're good now. So it's almost like you're playing for fourth or fifth place in that conference. Yeah. And, and I think talking with guys, I've talked to some coaches that were uh, vying for those jobs. And that was the word for word. Why? Why go there and finish fourth place every season? Because you, you can't move up. It's just too difficult uh, with the amount of talent that Gonzaga and the top half of that conference has. Yeah, I mean, unless though, listen, San Diego's got a lot of money, and it's a great lifestyle. So if yeah. you're doing it for those reasons, then you can do it. But yeah, guys who want to go and win are looking at, well, now I got to jump, I got to leapfrog not only St. Mary's and Gonzaga, but I got to leapfrog San Francisco and potentially BYU, and that was gonna that's gonna be difficult. You know, I forgot Mark Pope over there at BYU now, uh, coming over from Utah Valley, his whole staff, including uh, Cody Fugger, who used to be at UC Riverside. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, I just think that this is a, a very good fit. Uh, DP is one of the nice, like I said, just the nicest guy that you can imagine. I I don't know any coach that has been around David Patrick that has really uh, disliked him or has anything bad to say about him. I mean, he's just he's a fun guy to be around. It's infectious and you want to be around him. Heck, I was begging my wife to move up to Sacramento just so I could call games up there. I mean, I just. <laughs> Because, you know, you think of those things and and the selfishness of, of me, I wanted him. I would love to have had him at San Diego just because he's a friend and, and uh, I know I could be involved in the program. The toughest thing for me is I can't be involved in Sacramento State's program other than a big fan. Yeah, no, and, and it seems like he knew what he was doing at Riverside, and, and it's a similar situation with regard to resources. And then, you know, obviously his connection with Mark Orr, I think that was big. And I, and I, I mentioned this to Coach, and I don't know if you, if you were on or off at that time. It was because I, t- I, you and I texted about it, and it seemed strange to me. And then when I read who who the AD was, it's, then it all made, then it all came together, and it all made sense. Yeah, and like you said, the success, like he had said, the success at the uh, women's program, the football program. Uh, it, it sounds like it's a complete buy-in, uh, but from the athletic department and from the, the president as well, because I've seen some uh, articles written uh, about, you know, written about David Patrick and the quotes from the president and the AD. It seems like they're all behind him. And, and if you have that kind of uh, connection and that kind of support, uh, it's fun to be somewhere like that. 
Uh, always great to chat with you, Jeff. Give me give me your final thought uh, before we wrap this up here. I, I think the Big Sky is going to have some big changes. I think uh, the Big West is going to have some big changes. I mean, it's this transfer portal thing is is I don't know if it's screwing up college basketball or making it more fun. I I look forward now to seeing uh, which you know what teams are going to put out what players. I mean, we saw the kid uh, Tajay Moore this past season. Uh, right. go from Cal State Bakersfield to, you know, a, a darling in the big tournament. Something like that can happen again this year. It could be in the big sky. It could be in the big West. It's fun for us, for coaches, not so much, right? Exactly. It's fun for us, uh, but coaches, not so much. And there was a great, um, not, not great. So there's been a news released yesterday that the Ivy League, you know, because they shut down, they didn't play during the COVID year, that year of eligibility, they've decided not to give it back to those players. So and that that's kind of unfortunate, and you know it affects the Big West in the sense that Jerome Derosier, who's over at Hawaii, they thought maybe he'd get a bonus year, and now he's not going to get that year. Even though, and that was that that was the point that was made in a couple of social media posts, is that the athletes still had to pay, however they're going to pay for their tuition, because you know there are no athletic scholarships in the Ivy League, but yet they didn't get to play, and now that year is being taken away from them. Yeah, that's that's tough. Um, that that's one you scratch your head about, and and. I'll tell you what, you might see more teams doing the exact same or more conferences doing the same thing here uh, quickly. Well, yeah, we, we I think the glut, though, is starting to thin out a little bit, that extra COVID year, and you know, it really affected baseball a lot. Um, but with basketball, I think now maybe after next year, that's it's kind of all done uh, in terms of uh, the, the that bonus year for the, for the COVID players and guys staying. And I think now coaches and administrations are kind of, formulating their vision moving forward with terms of their recruiting classes. So you may see guys transfer that extra year. They can go transfer and play somewhere. I know uh, the old CSUN guard, Elijah Harkless, finished out his career at Oklahoma. He's now in the portal, um, and he's looking for another place. I know he's graduated from Oklahoma. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, we're talking about players that are playing at four different schools in you know, six right. years. It's, it's, it's strange, bizarre, but fun for you and I. Not Like I said, not fun for the coaches. Jeff Gorham, always great to chat with you and appreciate you bringing uh, DP on. It was a great conversation with him. Until next time, we'll sign off and hopefully we'll have another episode for you soon. And we may even bring Jeff Gorham back. Wild, <laughs> wild, wild, wacky stuff, Jeff. <laughs> Anytime hey. you, Gazal, my hero, my friend, and uh, my buddy I talk to on a daily basis. I love you, buddy, and uh, doing great work. Thank you for being my Ed McMahon and my Hank Kingsley all rolled into one, my friend. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, see you later.